Delivery bots. Kaplan's the biggest retailer in this galaxy. I don't remember ordering anything. Must have been a while back. <sighs> what do you think? Still me? Hey, Adam, did you notice that the interior of the TARDIS got a little bit more... We got a little bit more of a wide-angle view of it and got to see kind of how it all works? I did see that there was a wide-angle to it, yeah. So the, the big crystal things that are like kind of the pillars on the sides actually connect to the center console thing, and they like pump it up and down. Yeah, we got like this... A really, really brief shot of it, um, I think, when they first displayed it. But this one definitely gave us a lot better of a view of it. Yeah. How are you liking the TARDIS interior? I mean, we're seven episodes done, seven episodes completed in the season. Only three left, which is crazy to think of. <laughs> Feels like we just started Yeah, we're this. definitely at it. Yeah, it, it really does. Things have flown by. Um, I feel like... Like the brief glimpses that we've got, we, we we've had of it. I like it. I mean, I I will say that kind of the the crystal pillars. At first, I was I was cool with them. The more I see them, the more it's like, yeah, I'm not too sure about it. Um, but I don't feel like we've spent all that much time inside the TARDIS. Like we we don't have the we don't have Capaldi walking around the TARDIS on the inside giving monologues and we don't have Matt Smith kind of going crazy on the inside of the TARDIS and ripping wires apart we haven't had all that much time in the TARDIS itself huh interesting call out because i hadn't really thought about that but that you are completely correct about that that i feel like in previous incarnations of the doctor we got a lot more TARDIS time yeah a lot more there are, things happened in the TARDIS um we even had an entire episode called Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. Yeah, I mean, in I mean, Matt Smith's era alone, we had multiple episodes where they spend a lot of time in the TARDIS. I mean, there's the one where, um, and it, it, it's escaping me, but they there's the Sandman guy, and like they fall asleep, and Amy and oh, Amy yeah. dreams she's pregnant. Like they are in the TARDIS, freezing the entire time. But like, there are entire episodes inside the TARDIS for other for other doctors not not so much for uh not so much for this one well the doctor's wife basically the uh Matt Smith hung out with the TARDIS <laughs> yeah so. I mean the I, and we kind of got glimpses of that in the ghost monument right like we were both super stoked that okay the TARDIS is a character again and we had that for a moment and now it's just another we get it for, for like a minute and a half at the beginning as they decide where they want to go, and then it's gone. Yeah, this season is TARDIS light. It is. Yeah. Very TARDIS light. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, we are here to talk about the seventh episode of Doctor Who, of season 11 or series 11, whichever way you prefer. And this one, Kerblam, is the title of this episode. <laughs> and I remember seeing the title and seeing the preview and seeing the robots with glowing eyes and thinking, I don't think I'm going to like this episode that much, just based on kind of first impressions. Where, What were your first impressions before you saw the episode, but just based on purely on the preview? I really had no idea what we were going to get ourselves into. I thought the robots were kind of creepy, kind of like a, a somewhat callback to the clockwork um clockwork what are they clockwork men clockwork robots clockwork, clockwork men they, um or from, or maybe a callback uh, to cybermen or maybe a callback to the robots that they met on that <laughs> one planet or that or maybe a callback to the robots that were with amy when she got really old or maybe a callback this <laughs> this okay we, okay okay i get it <laughs> we talk about how like the there's certain story types that they use and the kind of like stuck on a space station separated from the TARDIS is the one we constantly bring up. But I think we we don't give enough attention to the fact that Doctor running into random robots is a pretty common story uh, telling technique in Doctor Who as well. Yeah, <laughs> there's there are. I mean, some of her best friends are robots. That is true. Um, some of her best friends are robots. She did say that, which I mean, kind of makes sense if you know K nine was a companion. Yeah, I was gonna say K nine. And then, um, I don't know if Handles would count as a robot, but oh, I miss Handles. Thanks for the Handles reference. Yeah, we need and we need Danny a Handles Pink. return. Danny Pink was a robot. Yeah, 
cyborgish. <laughs> but enough about Danny Pink. Uh, <laughs> this one, so we'll just get right into this. We'll talk about this episode. Um, this one was written by Pete McTie, not written by Chris Chibnall, which I actually didn't realize until just now. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, this isn't a Chibnall episode. Because we've kind of made it a, you know, we've kind of called out that he he has written or had the writing credit for almost every episode, with with one exception, uh, he was either written or co-written. But this is the uh, now the second exception. So maybe the yeah, later episodes is... in the season, maybe he kind of started to feel like, okay, I can give off, I can give up the reins a little bit. Yeah, I I wonder. I wonder, I don't, I don't know. Again, I wonder about the order of the episodes. Um, just the way that it, it, the episodes flow, there is no real connecting tissue between the episodes themselves. So whether they were in this order from the very beginning or if they're moving around or what have you, but it definitely seems like we might be getting, um, more, more Chris Chibnall light episodes towards the end. Now I'm curious to see who wrote the next one. Hmm. You had said you just said that there's not a lot of connective tissue. This episode, I think, in particular, could literally have stood alone. We had said that about um, the the Pating episode, but then there were some elements with Ryan that we were that kind of did place it a little bit more. And like yeah. I think as we talked about the episode more, we kind of realized that maybe that wasn't necessarily true that it could stand alone. But this one really felt like it could have stood alone, which. I think it's funny because I have a one of those dumb, like off the wall fan theories that I want to throw at you and see what you think. <laughs> Go for it. I'm all about these. This is, yeah. This is jumping ahead a little bit into the episode, but I think we can call this out now and then we'll we'll <laughs> we'll go we'll go back to the beginning of the episode. But because this will be fun to talk about. So Graham, when he's talking to Charlie, he says that he's oh, three hundred and ten years old. Yep. So what if he really is 310 years old and that's how long they've been traveling with the doctor? I mean, <laughs> is that where you're stopping? I yeah, totally that's my thought you were going in a different direction with this. No. Okay. Um, it, I think it would kind of make sense. Like Graham said it in the look on his face. There was something about the way that he said it where it was like he was joking but kind of serious. Like he was 310 years old um, and he finds that amusing, but that is the reality of it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's possible. I thought you were going to call out because there's another point in time where um, they just find out or they find Charlie has a crush um, on uh, Kira. Oh, Kira. Yeah. They find out that Charlie has a crush on Kira and Graham makes the comment like, oh, it reminds me when you were younger, like one month ago. Well, one month ago was when Ryan was probably working at the warehouse. So like, have they only been traveling with the doctor for one month? Um, for some reason, I thought that's what you were going to go with, but are you, no, 310 years old. Are you trying yeah. to throw a wrench in my theory? Cause yeah, that makes kind of, that <laughs> does kind of make sense. If he had said that, then maybe I'm saying that they've been traveling for a month, one month, but 310 years. Oh, okay. So like a month ago, like, no, that doesn't make sense because they can go back in time, <laughs> time whenever they want. Make sense. Time doesn't make sense with Dr. Who, but I just thought it would be an interesting idea if he actually is 310 years old and they've been traveling with the doctor for, you know, however many over 200 years and he, he just has that that's how long and like we get all these little drops where the doctor's like oh i remember when i when we fought those killer turtles or remember when i took you to that rain place and you know whatever and so we get all these little hints at all these other adventures that they're taking but we have no idea how long they've been traveling with the doctor and so then this is the first clue we get because because he drops his age. And we all think it's a joke, but really that's how long they've really been traveling with the doctor. And the TARDIS has just been like uh, keeping them young with some kind of TARDIS energy. I mean, yeah. I'm going to go with I, it until that... I'm proven wrong. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. So back to I the mean, real thing, back... the real episode. Yeah. Back... The one the one thing that I wanted to to toss out here, just like – with no connecting tissue. One other thing that just jumps out to me is Ryan mentions 
I think really for the first time since like the second episode where there is a strong connection between the first and the second episode. Um, so the woman who fell to earth and ghost monument, this is uh, the first time that Ryan has mentioned since then um, just his, his struggle with coordination um, and his ability to do things. And it just seems weird that we've now gone five other episodes before we get that reference again. Um, I don't know. It just, there, there were a couple other things throughout this that it's like this really could have been the third episode and it they just slotted it totally differently huh. but anyways yeah actually go that's a good call out too because i had thought that a couple times in the episode when he referred to it and they kind of made a really big point out of it this this episode that i was like oh yeah i actually forgot that that was a thing like i forgot that he had this dyspraxia and um and they had kind of made it such a big deal especially in the introduction not only of Ryan but just of the show where you have the bike scene on the mountain and all of that. And then he couldn't climb the ladder at the end. And it was like yeah. all in that first episode. You're like, wow, they're going to really like make it a point to have this be something that keeps popping up. And then it kind of went away. But then it was like, oh, yeah, forgot that was a thing. Ep- now episode seven. Yeah. So and it kind of fills in the it kind of fills in the gaps between like, OK, we know that at the beginning of Rosa, which is slotted right now as being episode three. At the beginning of Rosa, they talk about like all the other places that they've jumped to before they've been able to get home. Um, so like this technically, I don't, I don't know. In my mind, it could have fallen between Ghost Monument and Rosa. Another thing is Yaz mentions when one of the workers is talking about their family. Yaz mentions like it's really hard to be away from home, right? And like that would have fit perfectly with the sentiment that that uh, Yaz had between two and three before they all show up back in in episode four, and then she like can't wait to get away from her family again. Um, mm. Yeah, that's I true. don't know my own theories on on how these things slot. Maybe someday we'll get a kind of making of you know, recap this season and they'll admit that the, the order was different or they decided to air the episodes in a different order than they were originally planned to be aired. That does happen in TV shows a lot. It does. And maybe Chibnall has something very special for us in the last three episodes. I sure hope so. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) So a quick synopsis for this episode. Uh, I don't know if I said directed by Jennifer Perrott, which she actually did the last one too. Um, so this quick synopsis, when the 13th doctor finds a mysterious call for help packaged with a delivery from the galaxy's largest retailer, she and her friends get to work in finding out the case of the distress. However, is the human 10% of the workforce rebelling against the robots or is there a much more complicated plot going on? I don't think that's the official synopsis. I think I just found that somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> I, feel like that, I feel like that synopsis gives too much away. Um, so this one, actually, we had talked about the Broadchurch connection. Uh, this did have a pretty notable actress from Broadchurch, Julie Hesmondhog. Uh, she was a pretty major character in the last season of Broadchurch, in the most, in the most recent season. Um, she hasn't been in every season of Broadchurch, but she was a pretty major character in the the most recent. So, um, that was a notable connection. And then they made a big deal about Lee Mack being in this episode who played Dan Cooper, but I don't, I know he's kind of a notable, uh, pop culture figure in the UK, but not so much in the U S. So he didn't really mean as much to me as I believe he would for other viewers. As I was watching it, one thing that's me and not that I, super familiar with Lee Mack or anything, but I was really impressed with kind of how Judy Maddox and Dan Cooper, the two names of the characters that Julie and Lee Mack play um, in the episode, like how, how well they were done. And for Lee Mack specifically, like Dan Cooper, he doesn't have all that big of a part, but yet they definitely seem to cast the light on him. And then he was gone. But for the short period he was on this, uh, on the screen, it seemed like, he was a really strong character. So it, it makes sense that it would be like, okay, two notable people in those two notable roles, and they played them very well. Yeah, I think for Julie um, Hensman Halls, uh, and I'm probably saying her last name completely wrong, so I apologize. But I think for them casting her, it was more in her acting skills, and she's kind of known for other roles that she's played. And I think for Lee Mack, it was almost just kind of a cameo. 
because he is more notable as like a stand-up comedian, um, at least from what I could look up on him. So I think they did focus on like, the oh, look, we have Lee Mack in the show, but he wasn't necessarily um, them casting him to be in like a, a very big acting role. It was kind of just yeah. like more for the face. But he, like you said, Makes he, did, sense. he did really well. Yeah, he did. He he. It seemed very smooth. Yeah. So, so this the episode starts out. They're on the TARDIS. Uh, doesn't seem like things are going so well with her navigating the TARDIS, and then they're and she's trying to dodge something, and then she's like, "Oh, it's like a teleportation thing," and then uh, this this delivery bot just shows up inside the TARDIS, like teleports right into the TARDIS. And I was like, right away, I was like, wait, why, why are, why can something just teleport right into the TARDIS? Isn't, don't they have things that protect from that? Yeah. I was a little thrown off by that too. So like the doctor makes a comment about, oh, it's a teleport pulse. And like, I don't know if in that moment she turns something off to then allow it to come through. Um, but yeah, it, it was a little, it was a little weird. Yeah. I think that's actually probably a pretty good explanation. The doctor either turned off some protective feature to let the teleport in or maybe the TARDIS itself realized that it wasn't a threat and let the teleport in so there could have been something that just happened you know not right in your face that that let the uh let that bot land in there because she didn't you know as soon as it landed in the TARDIS she was not you know like oh crap this thing got in she was like oh look it's a clerban whatever I forget what she called the thing but she was super excited man could blame man so yeah yeah i i want to know how long did it take that thing to deliver it yeah and like what's the so we know that it delivers a fez which was a nice callback i i liked it maybe a little heavy-handed but i thought it was fun yeah uh, i mean i'll take it yeah why not and you know i like she tries it on does it still suit me you know i thought i thought that was cool uh, but then you get the packing slip that says, help me. And so then it's kind of like, well, did the 11th doctor order a new Fez and this just took forever to deliver? Or is this just the system sending the doctor a package that the doctor did not order uh, just to send that communication out? So maybe the doctor never ordered it at all. Hey, <laughs> huh, that's interesting. So I totally just assumed that the 11th doctor opened it and it honestly has taken this long for that package to be delivered. So but, they, so you're talking about, cause I mean, the member of the 11th doctor had quite a bit of time on that planet before, before he regenerated, uh, what was it? Like 300 something years. <laughs> the time called Christmas. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's just getting the, the plot thickens. Is that so, when he ordered the package? <laughs> did he order it right before he regenerated? So less time passed, but then the 12th doctor had some pretty crazy time gaps too, when he got trapped in the the maze and all that stuff. So, you, you know, you're talking about thousands of years that, and how does this... that work? How does, how does that work with time travel though? Like you might order it and you might be in the same time and then you jump, 3,000 years in the future and then you jump 3,000 years in the past and it's like is good it just point. whenever you hit that time zone again it shows up like yeah good point yeah because he could have he could have ordered it in a certain time period and then when when returning to that time period it, it delivered um, but did Whitaker's doctor or did Whitaker's jo doctor just literally miss Smith's doctor right like <laughs> Like they were actually sending that package to Smith's doctor and she accidentally intercepted it. Yeah. Like the, Smith's doctor it just is somewhere went to the around TARDIS. that time period too. Yeah. That's, it that's just went to the TARDIS. So the TARDIS was there. Smith orders it. He jumps to a different time. Whitaker's TARDIS shows up and the package del is delivered to Whitaker. See, I would I mean, that's some timey wimey stuff there that I would have loved to see them inject into this episode. I could have <laughs> missed that stuff, you know, that like, would give us fun. some kind of, hint that it was actually the 12th doc or the 11th doctor that ordered it and he was right there. And then, you know, he gallivants off somewhere else and then she shows up and then it, it delivered it to the wrong TARDIS kind of thing. I'm all about that. Matt Smith, Rory and Amy walking into Kerblam. Maybe the system didn't care which doctor showed up. The system was trying to just get the doctor. 
you know, if it could have yeah. been Smith, it could have been anybody. Um, but you know, she Whitaker happened to be the one that got it. So, um, wow. Who thought, who, who would have thought we would spend that much time on, uh, the pack or on that part of the episode <laughs> on package delivery logistics. Package delivery. Yes. Logistics. Um, so it, it like, I guess it's pretty obvious to me that Kerb Lamb is meant to be kind of the space Amazon, right? That's what we're supposed to be getting from this. Or maybe it's a combination yeah. of space Amazon and space Walmart. Yeah, some. I mean, it, it's some big retailer that all they need to do is uh, automate. I mean, that's 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 essentially what it is. If if someone isn't looking at this and thinking, oh, that's Amazon. In fact, in my notes, I'm looking at it right now. I have Kerblam equals Amazon. Like that's that's just what it is. Yes, and that's kind of what I had in my notes as well. And they actually even went as far as. If you order this, these are the other items we suggest. You know, we all know about suggested items anytime we order oh, something yes. online. So they definitely were. This was a bit of a commentary probably on, you know, our modern purchasing habits and how everyone's kind of always ordering everything online. And the idea of an entire moon being a warehouse for a delivery company or for a company like uh, Amazon that's I feel like that's something that could happen in our future you know we <laughs> we 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 colonize some sort of a, a space body just for a warehouse for for online orders just for just for space it cuts the distance to Mars to deliver stuff when we right, colonize yeah. there too yeah so um and we know that uh Ryan used to work in a warehouse so this is kind of him probably not having the best memories of, Oh man, like I'm back doing that. Like I was trying to get away from that by traveling yeah. with the doctor. And that, that's exactly what it calls out. Like as soon as they get there, like, Oh, I feel like I'm back at home and that not necessarily being a good thing when they show up. So they do show up on the planet, um, which I think what they said it was a moon, right? Yeah. A moon in this, in kind of this different galaxy. So they're not, they're not in our galaxy anymore. And they go uh, to Kerblam, and I guess their idea here is they're going to go undercover and and be new new recruits, new employees. They show up. She uses her psychic paper. She uses the sonic, all the tools that she has to trick um, this woman into believing that they're kind of new, the new employees. Yeah, and I I have to say like Judy Judy Maddox the the first impression of her I thoroughly enjoyed her character just that that first interaction with the doctor um it was fun I thought that interaction was fun um she seemed she seemed to be on the same socially awkward page as uh this iteration of the doctor yes yeah and she was the oh what was her job she was the something about head people. of people. Head of people, head of peoples, making sure that they stuck to their ten percent quota because they had to have at least ten percent of their workforce had to be what she accidentally kept slipping up and saying organics, but um, really yeah. just needed to be human or people. I was I was kind of expecting maybe there would be some alien um, alien workers as well, but it seemed like I guess this this galaxy had only humans as well. Yeah, and I think I like honestly, based on some of the other episodes that we've watched, um, seen so far, Ghost Monument and Saranga Conundrum, like they would they would probably say, Oh, well, we're not human, we are X, Y, or Z. But at the end of the day, they're all humans. There's no there's no creepy aliens unless they're the bad ones that then turn out to be good. Um, they're all humanoid at some point at this point in the episode though, I thought the, it was going to go a totally different direction. Um, for some reason, as I was watching this episode, my mind was like, okay, where's the switch going to be? Like what breadcrumbs are they leaving us right now? Cause they kept on saying we're people powered, we're people powered. I honestly thought we were going to get to the point where they're chucking people into like a furnace or um, all the robots are just Cybermen and like the robots actually have people inside of them or I don't know. I was, I was expecting that whole, like we're people powered to come in at some point as a uh, surprise later on, but I was wrong. Hmm. That would have been very Dr. Who though. The, all the, all the options you just described would have been very Dr. Who. I could have seen. I tried. Things. 
I I, I do remember thinking as I'm watching the episode, okay, what's the catch? You know, where's the twist? Because I feel like you're, I'm starting to get used to Chibnall's writing style, although he didn't technically write this episode, but I'm sure he was part of the uh, the writing process in the writing room. But there does seem to be a bit of a style and um, getting used to that. So it's kind of like, okay, they set your expectations and then there's the twist and then your expectations are not, you know, they've been flipped. And so I was kind yeah. of like, yeah. this episode, I've, I'm like, okay, I'm looking for it. Okay, where's the where's the twist? Where's the flip? Did you find it? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, they, obviously there's a twist at the end, but um, we're not there yet. So, <laughs> but I didn't see it coming, I wouldn't say. I, I think I was... There was kind of the usual suspects. You knew somebody was underhanded, and you figured that there was probably some someone that you know the system obviously was kind of portrayed as you know the robots start to go rogue or they're killing people, and then you're thinking, okay, the system is part of the problem, but there's somebody else that's got to be involved. That's kind of where I was at for most of the episode, and so I was thinking, okay, it's either it's either um, the woman that they met right off the bat. Or later on, they introduced Slade, and so I was like, "Okay, maybe it's Slade." But the um, I will say I was surprised uh, by who ended up being kind of the the foil. Oh, absolutely! That's um, with a name like Slade, I kind of thought like, "Okay, there's the bad guy," and it doesn't matter how they twist it or what they try to do. Like he's going to be the one that at the end of it he is responsible and they broadcast it for the vast majority of the episode that he, for the portions that he appears in. Um, but I was, I was surprised like it, even, even towards the end when things start to be revealed, like Ryan comes running to the doctor and he's like, so-and-so did it. I was like, what? <laughs> Char- uh, what uh, huh? He's <laughs> like, like how, how are dead we jumping and- to that? <laughs> He's like, Kira's dead, and Charlie has something to do with it. I'm like, dude, just pointing your fingers. Like, we don't have a lot of evidence at this point. <laughs> no, and that was the thing. Like, I was totally. I was like, I was like, wait, I feel like I'm still catching up at this point. Like, how how does he know Charlie did it? But because <laughs> he didn't look surprised when Kira when Kira got the bubble bomb. Yeah, I, yeah. I think he I, knew something was gonna happen. That's that was Ryan's tip. Uh, but what is the deal with? them killing off all the nice people because like we've (laughs) gotten multiple times now where they introduce these people and then we hear not only do they introduce a character but they introduce a character and then give us a little bit of history you know we got the nice old man that was like talking to his granddaughter on the phone yeah yep and then they killed him and then we got this this episode too you meet dan cooper he's nice he He's made some mistakes, but he's trying to make things right. He's trying to get his girl through college. He's wearing this little locket thing. He takes Yaz's, you know, hard task so she doesn't get in danger. Like, this is a good guy. And then they just kill him. And then the same thing I, with Kira. Like, we, like they introduce us to Kira, and she's got this great outlook on life. And the doctor, you know, he's, or the doctor, she says, you know, I forget the, the quote, but it's like, you know, I really like the way that you, you know, are approaching life. Yeah, she was yeah. Like, thanks. And then just they kill her. Like, what is the deal? Why do they keep killing all the nice people? And the way the way that they did it, though, like that, w- that, w- that was harsh, like glass room, two way glass or a room of concrete with one small window pane that's two way glass and like watching the entire time as she gets her second package her entire life her second present like that that was a little low that was a little low that was that was pretty rough and yeah she was so excited to to get this package (laughs) it was done to teach a lesson so so it's okay she was used by the system you know, there really wasn't like um, I know we've talked about in the past few episodes where there seems to be a similar story element where it's like what you think is the bad thing is not really the bad thing. And in this episode, they kind of did that with the system. And it's like the system was actually calling out for help. But at the same time, the system was pretty bad, too. The system was killing people or at least killed Kira. Um, so it wasn't like there was a clear like, oh, the system's just completely misunderstood. The system was misunderstood, but still, still 
still in a, in a small way, still the villain, but then Charlie turned out to be the real villain who was uh, going to cause a lot more loss of life. Yeah. And it, it's like this, the series, a series of reactions. Um, like, and I think that comes out in the, the conversation between the doctor and Charlie at the end where they're kind of going back and forth. And like, Charlie's like, well, what about the other 90%? And they're all left out. And so he's reacting to that and the systems react. And it's just like this huge reactionary problem where one thing is all the dominoes are falling and, but all the reactions are bad. (laughs) And so, yeah, at the end of it, it's like, no one, no one's the good guy. Everybody's the bad guy in their own way, just because they're all reacting in the wrong way to the things that are going on. I mean, because Charlie did have, you know, he had some good points. You know, this it almost to him looked like these, you know, robotic or computer system overlords are, you know, taking over, and slowly people are getting phased out. And that is, you know, that's a threat to his reality. And so yeah. he was trying his best that he knew how to stop it. And he was taking extreme measures and, um, but he definitely had some good points. And then, but I felt like the doctor really was looking like she almost was, she was definitely defending the system and not necessarily looking at things from Charlie's perspective. And then kind of like was eh, okay with him dying too. It didn't seem like she tried too hard to save him. <laughs> Um, that, I don't know if is... I was on board. I kind of had a bad taste in my mouth by a few things with the doctor this episode with some of the way the doctor was treating people. She was very threatening um, a couple times. She kind of threatened uh, Slade and um, uh, what was her name? Judy. Yeah, Judy Maddox. Yeah. Slade and Judy Maddox where she's kind of like, you know, if you guys do whatever, like you're going to have me to answer to. And then later on she says to Judy – you know, if I find out you're lying and then she just kind of stops, which is a very threatening way to communicate, you know, you're kind of like, well, what, what are you going to do? Like, um, I felt like she was really aggressive this episode and threatening and kind of mean to Charlie at the end, blaming him, you know, it's people like you that are the problem. And I'm like, wow, I don't know if I loved the the portrayal of the doctor this episode. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to know, like, is this, a further discovery of of her character or is this just like these odd moments that we have because we have the syringa conundrum where i mean when she's going for her tardis it's it's basically like who who gives a flip of a plug nickel what happens to everybody else like i i need to get back there um and it's a little harsh and it's a little selfish and she gets called out on that and she's like hey you're right and she adjusts course and everything's fine but in this one, yeah, there's there's this there's this harsh there's this harshness that's flowing underneath like this cool exterior and the social awkwardness. But when things yeah, when things go south or when things aren't quite right in the right moments, the doctor can be harsh and vicious. Whereas like Capaldi's doctor was always sarcastic and, and cold and hard, but in the right moments he was goofy and he was funny. We're getting like the flip side with Whitaker where she's goofy and she's funny, but in the off moments, she is harsh and she's, she can be mean. Maybe that is, maybe it's kind of this reverse um, where we're used to seeing a doctor start out kind of rough. And then over time progress, it's almost like this reverse version of the doctor where, I mean, we had even said right at the beginning, like we, we fell in love with this doctor in the first couple episodes and we were kind of like, she's already there. Like she doesn't necessarily have any more progression to make. Like we already love her the way she is. And now it's almost like she's regressing and yeah. it's, you know, some of the, some of that sheen is getting worn off and, and like maybe there's a little bit of Capaldi right there under the surface that is coming out. Yeah. She was, she was still trying to figure out her, figure herself out the first couple episodes. She was confused as to who she is. And now she's over those moments of like, I think this is what I do. And I mean, now she's just, she's calling people out. I'm kind of sad. (laughs) I'm kind of sad that like the doctor that we knew, like the, the, like we got about three episodes of her and now it's kind of like, I don't know, like if I'm loving this version, like maybe this is just some kind of, maybe it's difference in writing because it was written by a different person this time. 
maybe it's a pur- purposeful progression of the character that they want to see us. They want us her to kind of spiral to this more aggressive character. And maybe that plays into things they have planned down the road. Like, I don't know if it's part of the bigger plan or if it's just, I don't like the writing. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> That's honestly, I'm, I am curious to see what the plan is. Like there's, there's no, I think one thing that we've gotten really, what we got really spoiled with, with Moffat is that there were those threads and like as annoyed as we might have been with certain elements of how those threads played out. And like some threads would go through a couple episodes and then just drop away and you'd never, you'd never see him again. Like there were so many untied loose ends. Um, but there just doesn't seem to be those common threads in this, in this series. Like there's no, there, I still want to know, like, what are we working our way towards? Like, these are all standalone stories, but I thought there was still going to be some, like, I don't feel like we're moving forward in the series. Um, and maybe we're not supposed to, and maybe I'm just expecting something. They were perfectly clear that there was not going to be this, this massive story arc. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's what I'm missing right now. Maybe, yeah. And I mean, there's it really we're so deep into the season now that if there's some sort of end game that they're building toward, I'm not seeing the kind of the the seeds of it. And you know, you would have to think that this doctor and, you know, Whitaker and Chibnall are not going to be a one season thing. Like there's going to be another season with the same writer and the same doctor you know so you would you would think there's some sort of a progression they're planning and not just all these really individual stories if that's not the case and they are just kind of like nope we're just gonna hit you with these individual stories and it's all kind of wrapped up and then we start with the next thing that would be a little disappointing to me as a doctor who fan because i would miss some of that connectivity some of that kind of building toward a bigger a bigger thing that's you know it felt like every doctor kind of had that, you know, Capaldi had his, you know, trying to find the time Lords or Smith's trying to, you know, he has all kinds of his own mysteries with, um, uh, what was it? The silence and kind of silence will fall and all of that. There's always these mysteries and you're kind of like, okay, what's happening. And then they teased us with it in the, in the ghost monument because they did drop some cryptic lines where it did feel like, Oh wow. There's, there's something, you know, there's something that that so long ago, but yeah, they haven't really built on that. That was kind of one little thing that happened. And then they really haven't teased us with anything more that that was, maybe that was just a throwaway line. I don't know. Yeah. Oh man. If if that was, that is one heck of a throwaway line. I mean, the first two episodes we had the mention of the, the Stenza, like mm-hmm. the, it, it seemed, and, and I remember talking like, is this going to be a common element? Are they going to show up again? Like, is Tim Shaw going to show up again at some point in the future? Because all he did was fall off the the crane. Like, yeah, but we 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 see slight progression with the companions and just in their characters and their relationships. But we don't see like this progression of what is the story? Like, how how do you end a a series without having an end? to arrive to like where's the crescendo where's the where's the climax of the series and how does itself i i don't know like i'm i'm very curious as to how this works and how it's gonna look there there's three more um three more episodes right and then we have a special yeah which is new year's so there's you know there's a decent amount of time left for them to to start heading towards some sort of conclusion um, or at least set up some, some bigger story threads. I felt like the season for me as a fan started out really strong and then kind of, you know, there's been some ups and downs since, and it's been a bit of a lull for me. This episode I wasn't a huge fan of, and not only because, because of the things that we're saying, like it doesn't seem like there's a lot of connective tissue. It doesn't seem like they're building toward anything. It doesn't seem like there's a progression. Even outside of that, setting that all aside, I just felt like this episode was a little bit weaker on some of the writing. Some of the, some of the the jokes and stuff just didn't really land for me. Um, even the special effects, like that entire scene where they were on that conveyor belt and stuff, it just felt really like 
I mean, I've seen some cheesy Doctor Who. That was some of the cheesiest Doctor Who I've ever seen. Oh, come on. Seriously. It was bad, gonna... man. Like, they, like they, they just blindly jump into a, a shoot, which is kind of the dumbest thing you can ever do. And then just when they land on those conveyor belts, it just looked like I was watching a really, really bad Disney Channel show. Okay, so I will I will give you that it looks like a really bad Disney Channel show. I will give you that it is a dumb idea to jump down one of those chutes. But number like first thing is is that it's not the cheesiest thing that you've seen on Doctor Who. Like, come on, really? I said the it's cheesiest one of thing. the one of the okay, cheesiest things of, I've ever seen. One of them. Okay, I'll take it. Number two, that moment where like Ryan is standing in front of the chute and he's like explaining himself. <laughs> That honestly is like one of my favorite moments from the episode. Like that any, wasn't bad. It was once they got there. <laughs> it was just so like they. He's like, oh, you know, we made it. We're alive, and like, they give each other a high five, and he accidentally knocks him off onto the other one. And then he's like, I can't jump down there. And then they try to have a serious moment between him and Yaz, where she's like, you can do it. I'm just yeah. like, what's happening right now? Like I felt like that whatever <laughs> amount of time that they did. They could have. They really could have just had them jump down the chute and land where they needed to land, and I could have done without all of that conveyor belt stuff. I just felt like it really put a it really put a spotlight on how bad the effects were, and then just all the the humor in that area. That part was just I don't know. I didn't like it. Yeah. Okay. I I see that. You you're not wrong. You're definitely not wrong. That. Oh, was and then very, that was and then weird... when they. <laughs> They do finally kind of like make it to wherever, and then they start going through like the area where it's going to disinfect them. And then it realizes that there's some sort of, you know, okay, now we need to disintegrate them. But the way that you disintegrate some is you shoot laser blasts randomly. That's how you disintegrate stuff. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you just have a wall that just like disintegrates you? (laughs) And then you exit to like a random hallway. Right. Yeah. I don't like, know. It just that yeah. whole that whole area was like Canto Bite of the Last Jedi. I could have done without it. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! That one was Canto for all my Bite Star Wars was, listeners. <laughs> Canto Bite was purposely planned. It's supposed to show the the disparity between. Okay, I'll stop. I, I sneak my my Last Jedi criticism into my Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But no, that was, I feel like, like I was saying the the issues I had with this episode were, were outside of the other things I was saying earlier And some of the big, like, I felt like there was some pretty big plot holes, the way they kind of, the big reveal with Charlie was surprising, but at the same time, it, then it started to make things not make sense. You know, they, they had, they came into, they found that vat of like remains of people that it seemed like the system was kind of disposing of these people. But then you find out that it was Charlie all along. And so then it kind of doesn't really make sense for that vat to exist yeah. um, the way it did. Like the, the bombs that he was creating were these like bombs that make people disappear. You know, it wasn't something that like blew your, you know, it turned you into jelly or I don't know. It, I, I, I mean, honestly, like it, they could be ones that turn you. We didn't see what happened to Kira. Like she we just saw that she like vaporized, right? Yeah, she vaporized. Like, so that was but the bomb. Did they? Did she melt though? Like, does that collect on the ground? And he's the maintenance guy, so he'd have to mop up everything. That like, <laughs> I mean, I guess you mess. could explain it. You could you could explain it as, you know, he did. You know, he was basically kidnapping people and and testing bombs on them. Which holy cow, that's horrible, dude. Um, like, no, ser- seriously. Like, now I want to go back because right after, um, right after Dan disappears. Mm-hmm. And they're all told to collect outside. There's an announcement that's played over about like a spill or something that Graham has to clean up. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just wondering if like there is some loose tie there that I might have missed and like all that sludge gets dumped. I don't know. Anyways. But if if the system has so many eyes and can see everything and is, is knows what Charlie's doing, why not just alert the management and say, Hey, this guy that works in your, you know, cleanup department is killing people. Like, I think that might be the, I think that might be the biggest 
did they ever did they ever explain how the system was being restricted like was charlie actively doing something other than the doctor says he has access to everything and no one ever looks at him so maybe I mean, I guess he was... maybe that was the point that yeah her explanation didn't make sense you know because he has advanced they... degrees yeah i mean maybe that was the point of him saying that is that he's so smart that he can he can you know outsmart this all powerful system um, I didn't feel like they laid the threads enough for that to be believable. Um, and the other thing that kind of st- stood out to me, there's a couple things left that I'll say, but the one thing is um, like, what happened to Dan? Like, why did those robots, like, why were they stalking him and Yaz? And why did they like kill him? Like if they weren't working for Charlie, cause Charlie was like, fighting against the system, not with the system. Yeah. Maybe maybe Charlie liked him. Because remember that robot that, that busted into the office and tried to kill Charlie. Yeah, no, totally. Like, so he... it's not like the robots were working for him. He didn't have any of them on his side. So what? Why were they? Why did they kill Dan? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't. I don't know. Here's my last one. This this is the one that I think is the most important. So we got the scene where the doctor. Um, scolds them for being robophobic right yeah and she's like some of my best friends are robots so if that is the case why was her solution to solve the problem have all of these thousands of robots kill themselves (laughs) like that's pretty harsh considering some of your best friends are robots but but they're just robots but that's just, that's the point. We're us as viewers can say that. Oh yeah, you know she killed. She just blew up a bunch of machines to save humans. But from her perspective, the way she was she was seeing robots as equals. So from her perspective, she she committed a lot of murder there. Roboticide. Roboticide. Yeah, I thought it was like if you're gonna have the doctor say something like that so early in the episode, only to have her kill a bunch of robots. That's kind of like maybe you should have taken that line out. <laughs> True. Not that true. the doctor's never killed robots before, but like she literally just said, some of my best friends are robots. I yeah yeah no, there's hindsight looking back at the episode. Okay, there were a lot of there were a lot of rough moments. There are a lot of things that don't quite tie together as nicely as what you'd want. Yeah. <laughs> Did I talk you into not liking this one? No, no, I still, I still find it enjoy. There, there's something about this one that, that was more enjoyable, I think, than some other ones. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of. Now I know that we got there. There were some thoughts about like arachnids in the UK and saying that not everything needs to be resolved on screen. And yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. Not everything needs to be resolved on screen, but this isn't a matter of, I guess, things needing to be resolved on screen. There's just some things that just, they don't, they don't connect those dots. They don't line up. We don't get a clear picture when we connect all the dots. Yeah. I mean, they definitely resolved everything like they, yeah, this is actually the first time I think we had kind of pointed out how none of none of the adversaries had ever really been kind of taken care of. Like they would teleport somewhere else or they would get sent back in time. Pating just got sent off on his way. But this is the first time where we just saw we saw Charlie blow up with all the innocent robots. Yeah, Char- so, Char- Charlie's no more. So he didn't make it. So that's that's kind of a first. So I, I did ask for that. So they did give me that. So I can't I can't complain. <laughs> on that point. But I mean, was there, there was the, like we had, we had pointed out the reference to the 11th doctor with the Fez. And I, I, I like those kind of callbacks. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. There was also another reference to uh, when the doctor met Agatha Christie and wasps. And I thought yep. that was a nice callback too. That was cool. Yeah. Yep. That was a tenant episode. It was, um, I, we had just gotten an like... Agatha Christie reference. Um, what two episodes before that with the with the Perot reference? Yep, yep. So that was um, so we're getting a lot of Agatha Christie in this season. I thought I thought the companions at the beginning like wanting to to jump in and help, like even Graham. The look of excitement on their eyes when they convinced the doctor to help. Um, I thought that was cool. Yeah, 
I feel like this these companions have definitely a different role in the show than we've seen previously. Um, and it's almost ironic that they don't want they they're kind of trying to get away from the term companion and call them friends. But these are the most companion like companions we've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. Right? Like it feels like they're kind of like the doctor's assistants. Like they kind of go follow the doctor around, they do their job, they they help. Like they're you know, whereas with like Amy and Rory, there was a lot more family stuff involved, a lot more emotion. Uh with Clara too, I think there was a lot more of that. Uh definitely with Rose, you know, the doctor basically fell in love with Rose. So this is kind of the this is the they're just they're very companion like even though we're not supposed to be using that term anymore they they kind of just do their job they they they're almost employed by the doctor yeah i mean so often i mean they're they're like yeah they're like equals in a, a lot of senses like the doctor's always checking is that okay if i said that <laughs> and like looking for yaz and ryan's approval um yeah it's they're i the companions have such good moments. Graham giving a, he has so many sarcastic remarks throughout this episode. Um, yeah. Ryan has some awesome moments and yeah, it's like they, they all have really good moments throughout the episode. Okay. So I don't know. I've been like, I, I definitely have been critical of this episode. I know you liked it more than I did. Did you have anything like, on the positive side that you really enjoyed about this episode that you wanted to point out? No, you put me on the spot. Um, (laughs) Like what did you like? (laughs) So like, so I thought there was like some proper creepy moments. Yes. Like you said, once you get to the end and you look back on it, like, okay, were they really, do they really make sense? But anytime they, they would zoom in on the robot's eyes, like there's just something about that, that, that creeped me out. Um, like they had some proper creepy lurking robots through the, the, the things in the, the factory warehouse when they're looking through between boxes and, um, the, I thought Kira was a very cool character. I really, I I thought something was going to happen. She was going to be a new companion, but they resolved that one pretty quickly. Um, and I was super surprised by Charlie. Like that was that was really surprising to me. And to me, it kind of worked at the end. Yes, again, you look back on it, and it's like, oh yeah, I guess that really doesn't make all that much sense. But I don't know. I thought it worked. And I gotta say, like, bubble wrap is a uh, bubble wrap is an interesting choice. Yeah, the I would say the strong points for this episode. I would agree about the the Char- Charlie being the the villain twist did surprise me. I was kind of starting to peg uh, Judy. I thought maybe Judy, the people, you know, since she was the people person, that she was actually working against the system to try to get you know more human workers uh, eventually. And they kind of they kind of cast her as this very awkward character. So I was like, okay, she's the she's going to be the villain. So the the Charlie twist did get me. So that was you know points to them for for catching me off guard on that one i just wish the execution was a little better and they had established they had established some of some of kind of what was going on a little bit better i just feel like they didn't they didn't give a really good explanation as to everything that was happening and how and how once you get the reveal and then you look back on the episode because i i did watch it a second time and looking for hints or tips as to the Charlie involvement and it really doesn't there. It just doesn't make a lot of sense that he was able to do what he was doing. And some of the misdirects with the, the system and the robots, once the reveal is made, don't make sense at all. Um, so I think they could have been a little cleaner in the storytelling and still, and I think it would have redeemed the episode for me if they hadn't if they hadn't left some pretty big gaps. Yeah, I, I can see it. I can definitely see it. You're right. Like, the aspects of Charlie and how all of that worked out. I want to go, I, I feel like, like in the back of my mind, there's some breadcrumbs that I feel like were left that I'd love to go back and see if they're really there. There's just something, something in the back of my mind. Like there were so many announcements um, over the PA system and there were so many, 
different the, things the power that, down stuff that kept happening yeah like like the, those different things like it's never quite resolved other than maybe like maybe they're storing it up for one massive transport i don't know but yeah there's something so, else there i think that you know maybe this is one i just need to maybe i need to watch it one more time and maybe i missed some things that i didn't you know pick up on so you know, maybe some of my criticisms are completely unfound because there is an explanation for some of the stuff that I just missed. So, you know, if there's you know, anyone that's listening to this now that's just like completely correcting me because they did explain some of the stuff, yeah, shoot us a Facebook message. <laughs> I want to know. Uh, but I watch <laughs> it again. I watch it again and look for some of the things that I feel like are missing. And maybe I did, maybe I missed some details. But I feel like even upon a second watch that it felt pretty um some of these some of these plot holes felt pretty gaping <laughs> well <laughs> episode seven in the episode books seven we're we're we have our hopes uh set toward you know as the season progresses and we get episode eight nine ten and the special you know there's still a lot of there's hours of doctor who left uh, I'm... Uh, a number of hours left that they can kind of from my perspective as a fan, and I know not everybody shares my perspective, and I know a lot of people like episodes that I don't like and all of that. I feel like for me as a fan, it started out really strong with the first three episodes, and it's just it's been a bit of a lull since then. And I really want to see what they were doing with those first three episodes. I really want to see that come back for these final three episodes into the special. Give me more of the feel of those first three episodes and these last few uh, they're they're kind of like, you know, middle ground filler, whatever you want to call it. Less of that. I'm 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 thinking just by looking at the last three episodes and the synopsis that's for them, we might we might have three really really solid episodes in store for us. These I'm, last I'm three could it. be fun. Hey, I'm. A, I always go in hoping. I always go in with a positive attitude and outlook and like I'm going to really like this episode. And even this this episode I was I actually really enjoyed, you know, kind of how how it how it started and how it was leading up to stuff and I felt like there was mystery there and I was kind of trying to figure it out and I was I was on board um up until probably about 3 ways through through 3 fourths of the way through the episode um where it started to kind of all fall apart for me. Um so, yeah. Hopefully the these next few are more up my alley. They look good. They look good. All right, cool, cool. Well, did you did you have anything else that you uh, wanted to point out before we wrapped up? No, just if one of those postmen shows up at my door or showed up at my door, I don't think I'd take their package. Did did it do? Did this episode do to bubble wrap what it's done for other things? Like I know we talk about creaky floors and statues and how doctor who makes everything scary but um you know or the the booger the eye boogers <laughs> the, <laughs> that didn't get scary yeah the, the mukta men didn't quite uh but, um, do much um like did this have the same effect are you gonna think twice before you pop a bubble on bubble wrap i i do i, I so i watched the episode i went upstairs i walked through the kitchen and there was a piece of bubble wrap sitting on the floor i like honestly i we don't have all that much bubble wrap and why was there thing there i i did think <laughs> looked at it and kind of chuckled to myself i'm not gonna lie like i looked at it amber and planted laughed. it i told amber to do yeah, that it's, <laughs> nice nice i just it, it's one of those things where it's like i don't think it's quite to the extent where i'm going to be like walking past the statue and taking a second glance at it like i'm not gonna like walk past a piece of bubble wrap and I don't know. You don't suddenly have a fear of further wrap. across the floor. Um, yeah. It's not a subtle, sudden fear. <laughs> I did think another uh, last inconsistency that I'll point out is that at the beginning of the episode, when they got the package with the Fez and then Ryan picks up yeah. the bubble wrap and starts popping it. And then at yep. the end, that same package with the same bubble wrap is there and they're like, don't pop it. It's going to yep, blow up. Yep. I'm like, well, the, Ryan already popped like a couple. We heard him pop them, so we know it's not a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just the right bubble. Where's you the, just have to get the right bubble. Where was the continuity guy when they were writing this episode? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so uh, I think we're good to wrap this one up. 
Cool. Um, so thanks everyone for listening to this episode. Um, you can always leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't done that yet. You can also find us on Twitter at Bad Wolf Podcast, Facebook, uh, Bad Wolf Radio. Actually, I noticed uh, we've gotten a handful of requests to join the Facebook group, and we've got some new people over there um, joining into the conversation. So that's cool to get some new new people into the group. Uh, it's a very small group, so if anybody out there that's listening to us wants to join up, head over to Facebook, search for uh, the Bad Wolf Radio podcast group, and uh, send us a request. We'll let you in. Um, we're also on Instagram, although we don't use it that much, much at, at Bad Wolf Radio. And uh, I think that's it. Until next time. No organics! God, I used to say that. <laughs> Pretty weird. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention Charlie. Charlie became a martyr for the organics, and he actually made a change. He actually accomplished the goal. Yeah, he did. He got himself blowed up. And-